This episode of Today, Maybe Forever is presented in collaboration with the Atlanta Mayor's Office of Cultural Affairs. I'm Floyd Hall, and this is Today, Maybe Forever. And today, I have the pleasure of speaking with visual artist Petey Parker. Petey, how you doing, man? I'm good, brother. Pleasure to be here, man. Excited. Glad to have some time with you. We are in Gallery 72 with the city of Atlanta. Uh, we're here in the, the front gallery space overlooking the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wanted to to ask you, off the top, Petey Parker, that is your, your artistic alias. Right. For those who have seen you on Instagram, they will get an obvious reference point. <laughs> um, but you tell me how that name came about or just how how that character speaks okay. to you. Um, man, the original character and I parallel in a lot of ways. We're both from Queens, New York. Both have an Aunt May, and we're both web slangers. Uh, my bread and butter is web development, web design, but I did a lot of stuff uh, earlier on behind the scenes, and nobody really knew who I was, but they saw the work that I was doing, and I, I really liked the mysteriousness of it. And for validation, um, one of the photographers I was working with, he was Evan 5PS, I said, look, man, your Instagram is going up. I need mine to start going up, too. So I got this idea to throw in this mask. It goes with my brand, and it just kind of took off from there, man. So now it's become its own form of artwork. Now I design different masks and shit, so it's been pretty cool. How do you, how do you go from being someone who, who has been a connector, being mm-hmm. someone who has been a glue, a glue right. guy, someone who's kind of just helped mm-hmm. you know, hold things together, push things forward? How do you go from being that guy to being someone who gets more visibility right. for for the work that you help create? Right. Well, I mean, the position that I was in, I, I pretty much have the blueprint now. There's legitimately two guys that I've helped blow up for a fact. So now all the stuff that I wanted to do with them that we probably didn't do because it might have outshined their work, I can now do for myself. And I got the blueprint to make it successful, make myself successful doing artistry as an artist now. So that's how it's, it's a no brainer to me. It's time, you know. I've been really excited to, to sort of see from afar, even though, you know, we, we always cross paths, but just mm-hmm. sort of like watch from afar um, what you do and how you do it. Mm-hmm. And haven't really had a chance to really like talk to you about this infusion or this intersection of art and technology. Right. Um, and so I think it just as we, we think about how we've become um, so attached to our smartphones mm-hmm. and so in, in how we've included technology in how we live, mm-hmm. um, it makes perfect sense that art would be um, another frontier. Right. And so um, from that perspective, I would love for you to uh, just talk more about Augmented reality, okay. virtual reality, and even like your start creatively. So, so let's just kind of start maybe back from the beginning. Right. Um, how'd you get to Atlanta? Man, uh, so I was born in New York, actually. Born in Queens, New York. And uh, my parents, I have a Jamaican ancestry. So it's either you go to Miami or New York. They went to New York. And then my mom had the opportunity to come down here when I was like four. So I'm still a Georgia boy. But um, I've been here since I was four, and I just remember, like, my earliest memories is, like, winning art competitions. And funny enough, now that I think about it, it was drawing Spider-Man. And I just, I just thought, I just remember that shit. But um, that's probably my earliest memories, man, just 
I'm drawn in the house around four or five. Um, and that's, that's how I made my way down to Georgia, was via my mom moving down here, and then the rest of my family came down and followed. So, so you went to high school here? I did. Okay, I did. grew up here, went to high school. Right. Um, you ever leave? I did leave. I left to go play college football, okay. actually. And then I played arena football out in Texas. So I played college ball in Iowa first, and then I went to Kansas after that, and then Texas to play arena, and then I came back. So okay. that's really the only time. What position? I, left. I play receiver. Okay. okay. Running for my life out there, man. <laughs> it made me good, though, because I was so scared. You know? um, so, so when did you start to turn your attention back to art? Um, man, I would always be involved with some type of art like throughout my life. Um, even in college, uh, they built a studio, and nobody else was using it, so I was spending the night in the studio actually making music. And then um, also, uh, I was doing web development. That was, that's my background, my bread and butter, but in college, I knew more than my professor. So that was kind of my art at that time as well. Um, and that's really where I hone my skills as far as like any type of multimedia design. So I've always been in some form or fashion doing something with art, and more so digitally, but um, I've always been doing it. It's, it's never really been an opportunity where I stopped doing any type of art, you know? So, so when, when you come back to Atlanta right. from, from uh, your football days, mm-hmm. what, was, what was like the first art community that you kind of jumped into? Oh man, there was, Right down the street right here, we used to call it The Block, which was um, right by the Tabernacle, I think Lucky Street. There was a store called Soul ATL, and a New Era store was on the opposite side of right there. And we used to call that The Block. That's where I met Paper Frank. Um, Rapper Reese was there. Original Fani was always out there. Evan 5PS, a photographer who I managed, was, was out there. Uh, civil rights, a, a dope rap group from um, Atlanta. We all started in that area pretty much and built a nucleus. So that's where I re- that was my first art community really um, when I got back to Atlanta and just as an adult really. Gotcha. Yeah. And so I feel like you and I met in cross paths when mm-hmm. you were in sort of that heavy management space. Mode, right. 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 And we would always talk about other stuff, but. Um, we, we never really kind of had the art conversation. Right, right. And so when I started to see that you were really heavy into augmented reality and virtual mm-hmm. reality, mm-hmm. I really, you know, just got so curious about it because mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, it was beginning to maybe extend how we how we interact with art. Right. Um, and what was maybe even possible. Like you, you had a different level, a different space for your imagination. Yeah. And so... When did when did augmented reality and virtual reality? Because I, I kind of want to maybe hit both of those to maybe draw the distinction. Okay. Um, when did when did you begin to, to to play around with this sort of you know other universe? Okay. For art, that's a dope question. I actually um, I first learned about it years ago. I had a I curated an exhibit in a Microsoft store, and it was featuring Maya Bailey and Fabian, occasional superstar. And since it was in the Microsoft store, they had, at the time, um, the artists Maya and Fabian, they were using the surface to paint and draw and, and show how the service could be, Microsoft service could be used as an art tool. Um, but while we were in the store, they had uh, these goggles, these Microsoft, I can't remember the name of them now, um, lenses. And that's the first time I experienced augmented reality. And the difference between the two, as far as uh, VR and AR, augmented reality and virtual reality, 
virtual reality, you're put into a virtual space. So everything around you is virtual. With augmented reality, it's a digital element in, in a real space. So that's really the difference. So if you think of Pokemon Go, how you can see a digital character, but he's interacting with the real world. So that's the difference. And that's really why I think augmented reality is my thing and not really VR because I like seeing things in the real space. I think it's more impressive. Um, and you can really diverge or di dive more into AR because you can actually interact with it more. You can see yourself instead of seeing some type of virtual character. But yeah, I think that was like three years ago when I first saw it. I was like, yeah, I want to get in that one day, but I never thought I would be where I am right now with it and able to build stuff that goes along with it. So. And so when you first experienced that, right. you had, you know, maybe personally, you had the the expertise to mm -hmm. to jump on that right so when you first started playing around with it mm -hmm. and really started to begin to understand what it could do right um when did when did you begin to first apply that to mm -hmm. to art um i first did that with um markers high off markers and i had a collab show and uh, we had been talking for a long time about doing some type of collab and he would you know, do the market illustrations and then I would just animate them and we put one up on Instagram and everybody loved it. So I was like, oh, this is it. So we was like, all right, we're gonna do a show. And at this time, AR wasn't even in our idea of, of what was gonna be a part of the show. We were just gonna have like some type of displays that actually displayed the monitor of the, of the animations and stuff like that. And then I sat back and I started doing some research and then I bumped back into AR. I can't even remember where it came from but I was like, you know what, this is it. If I could build an app and use it with this exhibit, then I think I could open up a lot of eyes. So it actually came naturally in a, in, in very um, sort organically while working with markers. And the idea just came about, and then I said, you know what, if there's a will, there's a way, I'm gonna learn how to do it, and I did, and it just worked out pretty well. And just so for, for, for clarity, say Marcus is the artist. Yeah, Marcus is a, he's a marker illustrator. Gotcha. Right. Um, so, for the audience listening who, who may kinda get it, mm -hmm. can you at least walk them through mm -hmm. what they would experience when they interact with okay. what you've created? Okay, so, now, man, I've dove into a lot of different ways to use AR. But with this past exhibit that Marcus and I did, he would illustrate all the pieces using markers. Um, I would take a picture of the pieces, then I would break them up in Photoshop and then animate them and then um, put them into our app. So when you look at his pieces through the app, they come to life and the animations start to come to life. So you pretty much have a living piece on your wall at any point. It's a character piece, you know, you could have a guest come in, you lift it up and they look at it through the app and it'll come to life pretty much. And that's the short of it, really. Gotcha, so the, the, the static art mm -hmm. takes on an added or an, an, an enhanced, right. you know, action or, right. or personality right. through the app. Yep, exactly. And so, um, what specifically has to, what does the static piece have to be made out of? Like, 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 what are the limitations on that? There isn't any. Okay. There's no limitations at all. Okay. It's all about the app saying, all I have to do is tell the app to find something and then trigger something else. Okay. So whether it's, um, in this case, it's find this particular art piece, and then when you see that art piece, 
trigger this animation and that's how it works so there's really no limitations they can scan the floor and i could have a a hologram of myself pop up as long as you're looking through the glyphs app mm -hmm. so it's it's really limitless and i think that's why i love it so much this is so much things that can be done with it so to, i guess tell me about how the conversations that you've had around this have have evolved mm -hmm. in terms of the context because right. what you've dove into mm -hmm. is a very future forward kind of thing right so you know you have to have a smartphone you have to have right. some equipment right. to access you know as a as a portal right exactly yeah um so how do you go from taking what you've done and having it being the add-on thing mm -hmm. to it being like a main thing in terms of the experience of seeing art I've, I've been pretty stingy with this app as far as like allowing other people to use it. Mm -hmm. But that's really because I'm, I'm doing research right now on the, right, on the right way to involve other people and other artists. Um, it's a very heavy app. So even right now you have to have like wireless connection just to download it. So I'm building another server that can house even more stuff. And once that is done, then I can say, yo, all you got to do is download this app and then upload whatever you want to happen. And then now you can use it with your art. And there's other apps doing that, but they're not really, I don't think they're on the ground level when as hands-on with artists as I am personally. Um, so the next, the next step of it as far as the art community is allowing other artists to do it. Um, a lot of artists have come to me and inquired about it, but I just haven't moved forward because I know it's not ready yet, but it's, it will be there in the next couple of months. So. What have some of those conversations been like with, with, with other visual artists in terms of what they, mm -hmm. not what they want to see from the app, but right. in terms of them figuring out, well, what's possible? Like, what can I do? Man. You know, how can I expand, right. you know, this piece? Right. What are those conversations like? That's the exciting part. I only have so many ideas. And the part of the reason for me to do it is to see what everybody else comes to the table with. So, uh, for example, Fabian, um, he's doing a mural right now over at, on Morehouse campus. So uh, he and I had talked before, you know, he's very futuristic, forward thinking. So with that particular mural, it's, it's pretty much documenting the history up until now and, and, and into the future. So if this app, if we do it right, if we have the opportunity to do it, the murals can actually come to life and you can get an actual history lesson right there on the phone and triggered or we can have a hologram pop up and talk to you or it might be a song play or the mural itself might start moving and talking so it's those type of discussions i'm having right now um it can link to other things and these are all things i'd even think about until sitting down with other with other artists of course i have my ideas but there people are starting to take it to a whole nother level and i love it I, we need to keep pushing it you know pushing the bar so that's really more so that's probably the most futuristic stuff that's been going on it's really through Fabian and and um, Maya as well has some great ideas but me and Fabian really connect when it comes to like thinking outside the box and stuff so how does AR or at least maybe even your slant on AR how does that connect to like the other digital infrastructure right. that's out there like a Google Maps okay. or, or or location services right, things where you can actually you know, expand right. the reach of that. So you, you mentioned the mural being able to activate, mm -hmm. um, you know, different elements of that. Mm -hmm. I'm imagining us, you know, we're sitting at the corner of, of Fairley and uh, Marietta Street, being able to imagine what this looked like 
50 years ago. Exactly. Right? Yep. You know, so the same way that Google has like Street View or whatever. Yep. Um, how would how would how would something like glyphs or whatever you may create after that? How does that how does that work with that, or how how can that work with that? Um, pretty easy. I'm I'm in talks right now with like festivals and actually some communities in order to do that. So, if you think about a mapping system or a GPS system or a navigation system, instead of having to look at a a, a map on your phone, you can literally see an arrow of where the restroom is or where you can get your drinks or where the next museum is or who's displayed at this museum by simply letting the app scan the ground and it could point you towards it. So imagine like there used to be a, co a commercial out a while back and uh, you would step on a red dot and a line would just show up on the street and you could follow that line. Augmented reality can now do that for you just by looking at it through the phone. So instead of looking at a flat map, you can now be in the map and submerge in the map and see um, all these geotags and stuff like that. And it's, it gives you a better sense of direction and it's cool. So a lot of festivals are interested in that. Um, a lot of communities such as Castleberry Hill, I'm talking to very interested in that type of stuff. You know, that's a very forward thinking community. Um, and it can also help bring historic pieces to life and point the younger generation towards pieces that might've gotten lost nowadays sure, make, sure. It more, make it more interesting so so you've partnered with and worked with a lot of artists right but when you yourself describe yourself as an augmented reality artist mm -hmm. what's your your 30 second spiel as to what that is for, for for someone who is not as familiar okay so I use AR or digital objects to bring artwork to life uh, my canvas is pretty much the word. It's just, damn, that's a great question because it's kind of hard to explain without being able to see it visually. Um, but I bring the world around me to life by using augmented reality. It's via an app. That's, that's pretty much the gist of it. Okay. Um, Atlanta, mm -hmm. as, as a place for what you're doing, um, what's been... A pivotal moment for you like if you could if you could point to a moment in Atlanta's creative community where things turned the corner mm -hmm. what would one of those moments be man I had to say pink lemonade for me uh, paper Frank's solo exhibit mm -hmm. uh, I think we had over like 4,000 people come out to an opening so when I saw that one artist could do something like that that's when I was like, all right, this is the space I want to be in, and Atlanta's the space, the place to do it, you know? That's, and that was what, about five years ago, man. So ever since then, I've, I've been seeing people come to Atlanta. They come to Atlanta for the sauce, then they take the sauce and add some flavor to it and say it's theirs, but everybody knows that it's, we got the original recipe, and it's cool to know that, but I well, think. Well, even staying right there, um, I feel like there's lots of conversations around mm -hmm. this sort of cultural ownership of 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 the sauce, of right. of a theme, of right. the energy. Um and that's something that you really can't you can't really protect that. No, you can't. You know? <laughs> Not at all. Um but one of the things that I, I do want to get your perspective on, you know, Atlanta is a place where music, visual art, mm -hmm. creatives, right. however people kind of we you know use that word. Um, but actually, you know what? Let me ask you about that. I think you're someone 
you're someone who I would consider to be the definition of like a creative. Okay. Right. In terms of not quite fitting in any one box in particular, right. but you're in a space, you you come from a community mm-hmm. and you create things and you connect people to those things. Then right. it goes from there. Right. How would you like to see Atlanta creatives? Um, I guess, how, how would you like to see the role for Atlanta creatives in the city? I just want us to be able to make more money, really. I just want all the creative, and that's really what my passion was, even coming in, was to help creatives monetize what they're doing. Because it could be, as a creative man, I think the creative mind could be a very burdened and stressful mind because we have these ideas, we have these abilities to do certain things, and when society kind of holds you back because of financial issues, it makes it real hard. I think the creativity starts to be used in a very bad way. Um, so I, I would like to see Atlanta, and I think we're getting there for sure, and we're, we're doing it. I would see Atlanta really support, um, monetary-wise, creatives a lot more. Um, but we're, we're definitely in the right path. Um, we got friends of ours that's building art communities, and I think that's where it starts. I think if we start helping the youth um, and, and molding the youth right now, then the city will embrace us a lot more because there's a lot of jobs that can come from creative people you know so well with that being said Atlanta as an arts community or as an arts hub Mm -hmm. Atlanta as a tech hub Mm -hmm. sometimes it feels like those two worlds don't often intersect as much as they probably should they definitely should intersect more for sure Um, and you have a lot of money floating through the tech community and you have a a lot of money being generated by the arts community but maybe not flowing into that in the, the same way so how would you like to see the tech community and the art community mm-hmm. coexist or intersect more? Whew. I think we need to be, we're on the verge of being the next Silicon Valley. I know there's been a couple of things, I'm not sure if they've passed yet or they might be on the verge of passing, that will allow the same way the movie industry here is number one, because these, if you have a business within that industry, you get tax cuts, tax write-offs, so that's why you see all these movies being shot here. The same legislation that they passed for that, they're passing for the music industry, so that's going to be booming more, and uh, the gaming industry. Uh, so by gaming, I mean like video games and stuff, stuff like that. And in that area alone is where creatives and tech converge because you have uh, background designers or game designers or uh, level designers or character designers that could be using all these games. And that's really why I really dove into um, the app space and the AR space was because I wanted to make a game initially that's really what I want to do that's what I'm going to do is make a game and I've, I've made one mobile game actually to promote an art exhibit before but nobody really knew about it so now this is the time right, with AR I can do that again and I can bring in some kids to help me do that and introduce it to a lot of, a lot of other people so I think as far as merging the art community and the, and the tech community I think we're already doing it I'm trying to pioneer that, but I know there's other people out there doing it right now because there's a lot of money to be made in, in these mobile games and apps and stuff like that. So I think that's probably the main way I see it happening, aside from just art exhibits that have to do with like uh, VR and AR and stuff like that. So, As a creative, as, as a visual artist, as a technologist, mm-hmm. um, or the intersection of all those things, what is your philosophy? Hmm. On how you create. Now, if there's a will, there's a way. I've taught myself everything that I know. Like, no, if 
I've gone to school and I've known more about websites than my professors. I've taught my professors stuff, and that's primarily off of me wanting to know something and learn something myself. Um, YouTube University, man, if you really want to learn something, go learn it. If there's a will, there's seriously a way, and nobody can hold you back from that. So my philosophy is, it's, it's kind of a fault too. Um, I believe in doing stuff myself, and I'm learning as I get older, it's cool to delegate, but do it yourself first, be quiet about it, and get it to a point to where people could then see your passion and want to jump in and help you at that point. But your vision has to be a certain way along before you can just start talking about it and talking about it and showing people. Um, so I think that's my thing is to just do it at the end of the day. If there's a will, there is a way. What would you say is the best decision that, you, that you've ever made? Hmm. The best decision. Man, that's I made a lot of good decisions. <laughs> there, there were a lot of hard ones, but I think just going to school, quite frankly. Um, going to school and finishing showed me that I can finish something. Uh, I got a tendency as an artist to get things 90% at times, and when I do finish things, I, I think about the fact that I finished school and how hard it was for me uh, to finish and be playing football at the same time and just not really be interested. But I got it done, and if I can get that done, then I can get anything else done in my life. So I think the best decision was going to college, period, for sure. What would you say is, on the other end, one of your worst decisions? Hmm. Uh, leaving, probably leaving my first job. It was, it was something I needed to do, but it took me a while to bounce back from it because I wasn't prepared correctly to leave that that particular job but I knew what I wanted to do but if I could go back I think I would have prepared myself a little bit more you know so just financially speaking man it took me a while to get out of a hole but it really taught me a lot but I would have did it differently for sure um most of our audience has probably never played football um to the level that 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 you played it Mm -hmm. um is the playbook as as <laughs> as as complex as people make it sound? Man, hell yeah, it is. It's pretty complex, man. Help me understand that. Like, what what is so complex about a playbook? So you have different positions, right? Right, right. Okay. So let's look at it from a, a quarterback standpoint. I was a receiver, but man, I pay you the quarterbacks, and that's why that's probably the hardest position I think in any sport because you have to learn. What me as, I was an ex-receiver, so I was on the outside, on the right side at all times. So I knew at all times I should go line up over here, and on this particular play, I do this particular route. I didn't have to worry about any other guys and what what all they did, but a quarterback has to know where I'm going to be, where I'm going to start, where I'm going to end, and he has to know where all the other 11 guys are going to be too. So playbooks are difficult because different teams have different cadences, have different names for things. Um, each position has different things that they do that has different names. And in one play, the quarterback has to call out all those things. A coach has to know all those things as well. So that's why the playbook could be so extensive because you got a playbook with 50, at least 50 plays in it with different names, tricky names, in it, and you got to sit down and you got to study that. And if you don't, you, I've seen the most talented people never touch the field because they didn't want to study the playbook. So it could be it could be pretty stressful and hard. So help me understand this because it sounds like what you just described 
it feels like learning a playbook is akin to being a developer. Oh yeah. Like it sounds like a lot of those same things, oh, yeah. different things moving in the background. Yep. So how would you say that aspect, the mental aspect of playing mm-hmm. football, the studying part of playing football, mm-hmm. helped you in in terms of being a developer on the tech side? I never looked at it that way, but that's it's a good parallel because it was dedication to sit down and learn that. You gotta have some level of passion to want to sit down and learn these plays so that you can get in the game and you can make an impact. Um, there's been times where I forgot to play and because I wasn't in the right position, the ball was thrown to that area. If I would have been there, I would have scored. But if I would have been on my P's and Q's and, and made sure I knew that play, I would have scored. So the same thing with, with developing. If I miss uh, or if I throw a comma in there somewhere and I don't know why something is broken, but I can't go in and say, all right, this comma is not supposed to be there. It's supposed to be here. Then the whole program is, is shut down. I can't fix anything that way. So that's really how they parallel because you got to really have a dedication to learn the specific positions of a comma or the specific positions of where I should be on the football field. So and, and they're they're both different languages. Oh, like yeah. it feels like you know absolutely there's there's a a language that's native to both of those settings yep. that you have to learn and that everyone is you know who is well versed in those languages. Yeah, you can you can excel. Yeah, in that. Um, as we wrap up. Um, give me your your forecast okay. for how you see the the digital world mm-hmm. and the art world, the visual art world, kind of merging. What would you like to see? What do you think we're going to be seeing mm-hmm. in the near future when it comes to AR and the art world? Well, I mean, simply put, for me, I, I think we're going to be incorporated into more glasses. That's what I'm going to start pushing so that you can see my artwork. I'm going to start pushing glasses that you can just throw on and see how I might have a piece in the middle of this roll right here, but you won't be able to see it until you have these glasses on. But I think the world is going in that direction anyway. Um, you got billboards that can be utilized the same way. So if you look at things like how Minority Report was or I think Blade Runner was a, a recent movie that has like billboards that would come to life and actually talk directly to you. I think that's where we're going in the future. And I'm trying to be ahead of that curve, for sure. Website, contact info, all of that. Okay. You can find my work at glyphsexhibit.com. Um, you, the, excuse me, you can download the app, which is called Glyphs Exhibit in the App Store. I got like two other apps coming out, but for right now, you can find me on Instagram at PD Parker, um, pdparker.com. Anything PD Parker, P-E-T-I-E-P-A-R-K-E-R. It's, that's me. Petey, thank you, sir. My brother, appreciate it, man.